sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back into the morning after here on Sports Grid. I'm Davis Maddock filling in for Ben Stevens today. Uh, we uh, we had an absolutely full first hour, went deep on the NBA playoffs, talked to Coach Young, talked to Josh Reynolds, also got on the ice with Johnny Lazarus. You guys can go back and watch any of that on demand if you like. We've got a nice full 13-game slate in uh, Daily Fantasy tonight. You can play that on FanDuel or wherever you'd like. And now, obviously, we got a couple absolutely mega studs going tonight. We got Garrett Cole on the mound. Um, we have uh, you know plenty of other really strong guys, but I, I really harnessed in on two guys, You know, not really that into Spencer Strider against Toronto. That feels like a spot we actually might see him get a little bit roughed up. Uh, unfortunately, my Kansas City Royals are, are just as pathetic as we thought they would be heading into the season. So I do really like Corbin Burns there. His prop total is six and a half strikeouts. I definitely think you could do, you know, Brewers money line, alternate strikeout lines for Corbin Burns over seven, over eight. I expect him to uh, mow down the very poor plate discipline Kansas City Royals. So, I mean, look, to be fair, they're getting a little bit better. Michael Massey's getting on base a little bit. We got Vinny P. We got Bobby Witt, but uh, it could definitely be worse. And then a guy I absolutely cannot quit. Ask my Fantasy Sports Today co-host Craig Mish, who is going to be joining the program a little bit later. Alex Wood against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, the Diamondbacks Pretty terrible, pretty terrible team. And also, uh, a couple of their best hitters are left-handed, so Alex Wood is going to have the platoon advantage on them. And Alex Wood is quite cheap in Daily Fantasy as well. So those are two starting pitchers that I really like for whatever Daily Fantasy contest you guys are playing tonight. We also got the schedule announcement last night in the NFL, which is pretty useful. Uh, I mean, it's pretty useful for fantasy football, and it's definitely pretty interesting for gambling purposes as well. We have some uh, matchups that I think are going to end up really mattering in Week 17 and Week 18. Some of the Week 17 matchups that I think could end up deciding playoff positions. We have Baltimore playing at home to the Dolphins. I would imagine that the Ravens and the Dolphins are probably both going to be teams that are fighting for playoff seeding at that point. You know, if we give Buffalo, Cincinnati, Kansas City their locks, I think those are the teams that are absolutely locks in the AFC to make the playoffs. I think the Jets obviously are drawing pretty live. I'm counting out the Patriots, but certainly the market is not. The Chargers, the Jaguars, uh, really would not actually surprise me to see Indianapolis put together a better season than people are anticipating. Certainly the crown gem. Uh, and in fact, I expect Cincinnati at Kansas City in week 17 to probably be the decider of who wins uh, the number one seed and gets the bye week in uh, the 2023 season. And we know how important that bye week is. In fact, that was, uh, that was sort of one of the things that ended up being so contentious about the NFL's eventual decision last year due to the DeMar Hamlin injury. The bye week is really what every team that's a truly great team should be playing for. And I think that's why, as of right now, in the futures market, the Chiefs and the Eagles are so far ahead of everyone else. Uh, the Eagles, it feels like very similar to last season. 
feels like they are just absolutely going to cakewalk to that buy seat. And I think uh, the the market is is pretty far off on the 49ers, listing the 49ers you know, way ahead of uh, teams that honestly I think have a, a far greater chance of having an easier playoff matchup. But of course, welcome to everyone on radio here on SportsGrid. I'm Davis Maddock with you guys here today on the morning after no Ben Stevens. We're talking a little bit about the NFL schedule and the Super Bowl odds. So the 49ers are are fairly interesting. I tracked this pretty closely last season. Um, the market, especially on FanDuel, just does not care who their quarterback is. Doesn't matter if it's Brock Purdy. Doesn't matter if it's Trey Lance. Doesn't matter if it's Jimmy Garoppolo. The quarterback could just be you know some guy that Kyle Shanahan just found off the street. The, the odds for them to win the NFC, the odds for them to win a given game, none of it ever changed. It all stayed the same. In fact, I remember doing playoff contests last year, you know, uh, whether it be survivor contests, fantasy playoff contests, and I just remember there was actually a stage, people are de- have definitely memory hold this, but there was a stage where the 49ers were actually favored over the Eagles, who had a bye week, favored over the 49ers, or favored over the Eagles, who had a bye week, the, the, the market thought the 49ers were so likely to win the NFC that they didn't care that they actually had to play an extra game. It was one of the strangest things. Uh, so did anyone who ever says, you know, sports betting is solved, the market's too sharp, uh, I definitely think there are instances like that where you can end up picking off a little bit of value there. Uh, some of my favorite wagers, though, inside of, uh, inside of the NFL futures market right now, one of them is definitely the Lions to win their division. I also like the Bills or the Dolphins to win the AFC East. I don't think particularly highly the Patriots. And these Jets numbers, uh, you know, apologies to any of our local sports grid Jets fans. These numbers are a joke, man. Uh, Aaron Rodgers has not played, uh, you know, a great high-level playoff game in quite a long time. I also think... You know, the Randall Cobb, Alan Lazard, Mercedes Lewis, all this. I just, I just, I, I think the Bills are just going to kind of run away with uh, with that division in a lot of scenarios. So I think a lot of these jet, Jets to miss the playoffs, Jets unders, I think these are all pretty attractive options. So that's a quick look at the NFL schedule and futures market. Guys, we've got a jam-packed hour two on the show. My Fantasy Sports Today co-host Craig Mish is about to join me here in a couple minutes. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back to talk some major league baseball. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back into the morning after here on SportsGrid. I'm Davis Maddock, joined now by my Fantasy Sports Today co-host, Craig Mish. You can uh, catch us again tomorrow morning, Saturdays at 8 a.m. Eastern time. We'll be there taking you through two hours of everything going on in fantasy sports. But, Craig, we get to talk about your favorite thing right now, baseball, fantasy baseball. How are your, how are your teams doing this year? I know you, uh, you lost, what, you, you had three guys immediately get injured so you've uh, you've been scrambling to fill uh to fill some of the holes how's uh, how's your fantasy baseball season going yeah i mean it, it's really interesting the uh jeffrey springs was the one that i lost very early on in the season but davis i am on the doorstep of first place in labor in the league of alternative baseball reality i'm in second place right now 
made a lot of good picks in, in this thing. Uh, went for a very boomer bust team. Uh, you know, so it's Ronald Acuna Jr. It is Byron Buxton. It is Bobby Witt. And on the pitching side, did very well. Also, you know, knowing fantasy the way that I did, took a shot, a buck on Jorge Soler. He's got nine home runs. Uh, Nico Horner, like, is he, I think he's second or first in, in the majors in steals. So doing well. <laughs> doing really well. I don't want to jinx it here. Uh, but but doing really well. Uh, thanks for asking. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely can't complain about that being on the doorstep of first as we get a little bit closer to Memorial Day. All right, we got to do a quick, quick recap. I, I, I had this one wrong. I did think the Yankees uh, with Domingo Herman last night, I was just like, you know what? The Rays, everything went so well for them for so long. It's time for things to start going around. Nope. Eight to two, beaten up on the Yankees. We are, you know, it's May 12th, and the Tampa Bay Rays do not have double-digit losses yet. The Yankees are just sort of chugging along, chugging along, waiting for Judge to be back 100%. He's in the lineup, but doesn't feel 100% to me. Waiting to see what happens with Stanton. Uh, I mean, are, are the Yankees panicking? Do, do we see? This is actually a great question, Craig. Do we see the Tampa Bay Rays make a marquee addition? Do we see them actually bring in an expensive player at the trade deadline for, like, the first time ever? Yeah, I mean, they could do it, Davis, if the player basically had an expiring contract at the end of the season or maybe had another year. But typically speaking, if you go back and look at Tampa Bay's free agent signings or players that they've acquired, they either have an expiring contract or they'll sign a player to a one-year deal. If I'm not mistaken, I think in the last 10 years – the only player that they gave a multi-year deal to before they gave one to Zach Eflin this past year was, and I'm not even positive about that, i got to check that, was Charlie Morton. That was it. So they do not give multi-year deals out. So you'd have to look at players potentially on expiring contracts at the end of the year to make those sort of moves. But could I see that? Absolutely. I think the reality of what we're seeing right now is I just don't think it matters if Carlos Rodon comes back, if John Carlos Stanton comes back, if Aaron Judge is Aaron Judge. The Rays are better than the Yankees. That's all there is to it. And I think there's a, a chance that the Orioles are better than the Yankees too. And I think there's a chance that the Blue Jays are better than the Yankees as well. I mean, this is a hard pill to swallow for a lot of the folks in New York. But when you go and invest that kind of money on a starting pitcher like Rodon, and he does not throw a pitch for you in April and probably not in May – you know, these are sort of the things that you have to live with, and their offense has not been what they thought it would be. So they'll still probably be over 500. They'll still probably get a wild card position, I would guess. But I just don't see this as a World Series type Yankees team this year. I definitely, I definitely don't either. They just don't have the high end pitching talent. I mean, they they do they have Garrett Cole, and then they have a bunch of guys, right? And just having a bunch of guys is not really the recipe to success. My Kansas City Royals, look at this, steaming up the leaderboards, twelve wins. Michael Massey hits his second home run. Uh, there was there was talk. Uh, I do I follow a lot of uh, Royals fans and Royals writers, and there was talk of sending him down. He's turned things around. You know, Brady Singer gets through with one earned run. I, obviously, the future, uh, if well, they got like four really good young players, right, the, the Kansas City Royals do, and then nothing else. But, but at least we knew, right? At least we Royals fans knew we were going to stink this year. The the alarm bells in Chicago, uh, oh, yeah. my God. How how red and loud can the, uh, can the fire get in Chicago right now? It is a tough scene for the Chicago White Sox. 
Yeah, I mean, we talked about this before the year. This was one of the teams that I, I definitely thought was going under their win total of 83.5 at the beginning of the year. But the dangerous part of this is that they're so talented that it's really hard to lean on that, knowing that if Robert and Eloy and, and Mancata and some of these other guys live up to their potential, that they could fly over it. But, yeah, there's no question at this point. We still have two months to go, Davis, but it does seem to me that the White Sox, and, you know, again... They could go a number of different directions here. They could retool and not rebuild, but it's it feels bleak to me. It feels like they have a, a bunch of talented players that have not been able to come together and win, you know, win the World Series or or just get to the. I just don't see it happening with this squad. So you start you start asking yourself the question: Would they trade Eloy Jimenez? Would they trade Tim Anderson? That'd be a very valuable player. Would they trade? Lucas Giolito, I, I don't know the answers to these questions, but what we do know is after we just saw them play against the Royals, that they had that little spurt where they started to play a little bit better, and then they went back down. At best, this White Sox team's probably 500, and they have to start thinking about what to do in the future. Maybe it's just keeping all these pieces and just adding in the offseason. That could be the case, too. But I, I feel like they have to change things around in, with the White Sox, and, and I think that happens at the deadline this year. And I do, I wonder what direction they go in because it feels it feels hard to trade those guys who are, you know, it's not like any of these guys are, are over the hill, you know, uh, looking at their roster. It's not like you think like, oh, you know, we, we got to just, we got to go in a whole new direction, uh, especially because the American League Central, as soon as next year, could just be like, okay, they're so far behind right now. I don't think they can make that difference up, right? You know, it just is what it is. But look at the American League Central next year. What are, are the Twins going to spend two hundred million dollars in the offseason? You know, the way a Texas Rangers would, no chance. Are the Guardians going to go on a spending spree? No chance. Are the Tigers going to get any better? No chance. Are the Royals going to be any better? No chance, right? So, so if if you want to sell. Any of these guys, you want to sell Tim Anderson, you want to sell, maybe you sell one of them, right? If you get the right deal, give you some, you know, give you some money back. You're not on the hook to pay that guy next year, whatever. Uh, but the Twins are, are huge. I mean, rightfully so, they are huge favorites. But it's not even like the Twins are having this storybook season, Craig. Like Carlos Correa, not been as good as they thought. Tyler Molly goes on the 60 day, 60 day uh, IL. They have to send Miranda back to the minor leagues because the guy cannot lift the ball in the air. Byron Buxton has been available. Straight, weird, very weird storyline, right? Byron Buxton been available, not hurt, not an MVP candidate, right? That that seems quite well, strange. Well, I mean, he has not played a single game in the outfield, Davis, this year. I mean, that's I know. He's the DH. Yeah, that, that, yeah. I mean, that's the reason why. And it's, do you want him to be the DH? I don't know. Probably the, the best value. He's playing every game. I would, I'd rather have 95 games of Byron Buxton being like a great defensive player and a great hitter than 140 games of him DHing. I think if I was, if I was running the team, all right, uh, real quick, Padres twins recap. The twins do get a win. You Darvish pitches. Okay. Tatis hits another home run. Uh, what do you make? What do you make of Juan Soto? What do you, are, are you concerned at all about his scuffles here to begin the year? There, there are some people who are maybe a little concerned. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's fair, but I think as the season goes on, there's less worry. I, I think the Padres will be in it at the end. You see their odds there. Still, to me, one of the most talented teams in baseball. Okay, real quick, your DFS picks of the night. I, I have a feeling we're going to be aligned on your pitcher. Yeah, this, this is going to be tough because you got to pass on Strider, 
and there's a lot of expensive pitching tonight, but I think everyone is going to go right to the top. I think you got to go a little bit lower tonight to make it work. So Corbin Burns tonight from Milwaukee, 10,000. Obviously, you know the matchup. It's a good matchup there. And I'm and I'm also going to go real deep down here with uh, this Braves-Blue Jays matchup. I think a lot of runs are coming in these games this weekend. Maybe not so much against Strider tonight, but Chris Bassett on the mound for Toronto. I like Eddie Rosario from the left side getting a prime lineup spot tonight. Maybe top six in the lineup. I think there's an opportunity there tonight. Usually, don't play this guy against lefties, but against righties, put him in the lineup. There we go. I'm with you. Corbin Burns absolutely going to mow down the Kansas City Royals. We're going to go ahead and run into break here real quick on the program, and we're going to return to the hardwood. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back into the morning after here on SportsGrid. I'm Davis Maddock, now joined by Shane Loizan from Pine Sports, a contributor for them. They are uh, topic of the day, man. They are leveraging AI tools for the world of sports betting. Shane, welcome to the program, man. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. How are you doing? You know, it's a, it's a beautiful day here. So I'm, I'm very curious, you know, about, uh, about this process. We're going to talk some baseball today, but I'm, uh, I'm just a little bit curious sort of about how you are leveraging these tools, you know, not expecting you to give me a technical in-depth analysis of, uh, of machine learning or anything like that, but sort of what is the, the Pine Sports special, special sauce of using AI in the world of sports betting and picking games? So pretty much the thing I tell people all the time with Pine Sports is that for people who really like the research and the statistical backing into their plays, you know, where I was putting five, six, seven, eight hours a day into looking this up, Pine Sports through their AI is giving you this information in one refresh, right? You're going in there and you're getting all the information you need with the with a chance every day to go in there and tweak what you want to make changes. So every day I'm looking at my model and making a small change or two. But it's taken five or ten minutes of my time as opposed to before where you go through every single game and it's like you're barely getting it done in time to bet on the game. So it is the ultimate time saver and the information is spot on. Yeah, there we go. I mean, look, everyone is looking to save a little bit of time. Everyone's looking to make uh, smarter wagers. I, for for my for my purposes, I 100% believe that machine learning models, uh, you know, leveraging this technology is like the easiest, quickest, uh, most intelligent way to get to winning wagers. Uh, now, obviously, sports books have these models too, uh, and, and we'll, be, we'll be continuing to leverage them and use those tools in the future. So the game, the name of the game is sort of always trying to, uh, you know, get the next step ahead. So we're going to take a look at some of the baseball games that are going on in tonight's 13 game slate, beginning with the uh, Tampa Bay Rays, who are traveling in the Bronx to play against the New York Yankees. The Yankees, pretty decent favorites here with Garrett Cole taking them out. They are minus 178 favorites, pretty low total in this game for uh, for the Yankees game in general. You don't see uh, 7.5s there all that often. Often the Rays are using their uh, their opener long reliever strategy. What uh, what do you make of the Yankees Rays game here? Yeah, so notice the same thing you did. Um, the model itself had the Yankees around a 64 percent winner. I'm a little opti- or cautiously optimistic on that because, like you said, with the spot starter for Tampa, 
you know, just people who like to handicap everything going into it, having a variable like that where we could see five to six different pitchers definitely factors into it. But I do like the Yankees to get it done. I'm leading that way for sure. Uh, last time out against them, you know, Cole had a good lead going into it. He let it up quickly. The Rays jumped on him. I can't imagine that's going to happen twice in a row. Uh, he faced them last year four times. He had a 1.07 ERA. So I'd expect him to get back on there. That's why I think the number is so low as well. You might see one of those old Garrett Cole games where it's a one to two runs, but definitely like the Yankees to get it done tonight, as does the model. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in on this uh, this Yankees pick. I mean, I think that uh, honestly, anytime Garrett Cole for me is less than like a minus 200 favorite, I I sort of feel like that's just the general direction to go. And uh, you know, look, the Rays obviously started out the year absolutely on fire, but the regression monster has come for them a little bit, and so much of their strategy relies on you know just maximizing every last inch, especially as it pertains to the bullpen, especially especially when they're doing these piggyback starters, right? When it's not McClanahan, when it's not Zach Eflin, when it's not Drew Rasmussen, one of these guys who they expect to get through the entire game. Like the the Jalen Beeks starts and the, the reliever starts. I, I think that is a just generally a worse spot for them to be in. So I am uh, I'm going to ride with the model on this one. Next, we're going to move to a team that, uh, you know, I just, uh, I hate to bet on them. The Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. They have the greatest player in baseball, Shohei Otani, and, uh, you know, a multiple-time American League MVP, Mike Trout, and then just truly just a bunch of guys. We have a very narrow money line here, minus 102 with, uh, with the VIG for the Angels, minus 116 for the Guardians. So this is pretty much a coin flip game. If you take uh, the VIG away from it, you'd get like plus 105 if you got this game. Rig-free total of 8.5 for this game. Uh, you know, not particularly either team's strongest starter. Tyler Anderson signed away from the Dodgers last season. Logan Allen left two lefties going in a game two lefties going in a game always uh, actually always like an over there what uh, what does the model have for angels guardians tonight so as you said the model does definitely like the over in that game and uh as far as the game itself uh the model does like the angels to get it done at 55 percent. which you know for a, a coin flip road team 55 percent is actually pretty significant you know, to, to not be picking a favorite. Um, like you said, the thing with that one, we got two lefties going. The thing is that Cleveland does not hit lefties, right? These pitchers are pretty identical to each other. They're both left-handed. They're both pretty much fastball changeup guys. On one side, you got Cleveland. They're not touching lefties. Uh, other than Josh Bell, their team's really struggling with hitting fastballs in general. And then on the flip there, the Angels, although their hitting is up and down, they are significantly better against left-handers. And against fastball and changeups, that's pretty much where one through seven in the order, they're getting it done. So I, I think that the Angels are in a great spot tonight to go in there and get a win. Yeah, I, uh, I definitely, I definitely think I would, I would err on that side. I mean, the uh, the Angels are always going to be a little bit better versus lefties because they can lead Taylor Ward off. They can get Hunter Renfro in there. Hunter Renfro, one of the largest split guys in baseball. Actually, Brandon Drury is too. Brandon Drury, not even that far removed from being like absolutely unbelievable last year for the Cincinnati Reds against left-handed pitching. Didn't didn't really do anything for the Padres. And uh, actually, yeah. 
They can go. They can go. Uh, other than Otani, they can go eight righties, and in fact, they probably will go eight righties. So, uh, and, and the Guardians don't have that. Guardians don't have that same luxury because two of their better hitters are both left-handed. So, uh, very simplistic baseball analysis. Uh, the model obviously is picking all of that lefty versus righty platoon split stuff up. Moving on now yes. to the Houston Astros against the Chicago White Sox. Uh, just got done talking about the White Sox with Craig Mish. What a bummer of a team they have been this year. That being said, Michael Kopech, great dude to watch. I mean, even if he doesn't know where the ball is going, watching anyone will throw 102-mile-an-hour fastballs. Always a blast. Underdog here against the Astros. Uh, JP France taking them out against Kopech. What does the model have here? So the model does have Houston around a 62% win in, which as a road team, that that's pretty significant there. Um, I think the main thing it's taken away, like you said, Kopech stuff is electrifying, but uh, to right-handers this year, he's just not been getting it done. Uh, Houston's going to run some righties out there. Obviously, you're going to have Alvarez, Tucker hitting from the left side. Uh, there has been a history of Tucker and Kopech where Tucker has hit him well, Bregman, Dubon. So there is a, a good history for who's in the lineup tonight going against Kopech. Obviously, I uh, got a young starter going for the Astros that the Sox have not seen before. The White Sox offense has been up and down. They put up 17 against Cincy and a couple against the Royals. End up dropping three out of four. Uh, Houston really has to get going here with the way the Rangers are playing. So I would think Houston's going to jump on them. I also do think that the over is uh, worth a little shot here. It's like Kopech with the righties. You know, you're looking at Houston to probably begin about five, six runs themselves. White Sox offense. Hit or miss? Are they healthy? Are they all going to play? Are they all going to make it through the game? I would take my chances at against a, a younger starter the second, third time around. They'll put up some runs themselves, too. Yeah. I mean, look, uh, Eloy Jimenez like 50-50 to trip over his own feet and get injured in any given game. So you always, you always got to factor that in. Uh, all right. The Atlanta Braves against the Toronto Blue Jays. Pricing this, real difficult because you basically have, uh, for me, the best starter in the National League. Uh, just always always kind of want to be on the side of Spencer Strider, but actually up against, a, I mean, a great offense, maybe maybe the best offense in the American League at this point. Uh, not going to see a ton of Strider starts with a total this high, and obviously the Braves offense is pretty good. But these are two legitimate starting pitchers that we have going tonight. Um, and Strider, obviously right-handed. The Blue Jays are like the most extreme right-handed team. They just absolutely destroy left-handed starting pitching. They have like two guys who are even capable of being league average from the left side of the plate in uh, in Varsho and Brandon Belt. What does the model make of this game? So the model really likes uh, Atlanta to get it done here around 61%. I'm on the side where I do like Atlanta, but I'm actually going the other route of doing a first five. Um, you know, Strider's primarily going to throw fastballs, and he puts it by people. Toronto, as you would expect, is one of the best fastball-hitting teams in the league. So, I, you know, I'd be a little more worried that the third time through the lineup for uh, Bichette and Guerrero and those guys that they could jump on them. But as far as a first five-inning bet, you know, it's at minus 150. I like my chances that Atlanta could jump on Bassett. Acuna's had a little, you know, he's pretty much only throwing sinkers now, which Atlanta at the bottom of the lineup is very strong again. So if the bottom guys are getting on, I'll take my chances with Riley, Acuna, Olsen, getting those guys in. So give me, uh, yeah. give me Atlanta in the first five. All right, there we go. Atlanta in the first five, and then we're going to end here real quick with the San Diego Padres against the Los Angeles Dodgers, two division rivals. Total of nine Dodgers, slight favorite. Do you have a, a side or a, a wager here on Padres-Dodgers? 
Yeah, so actually from the model, which I am going along with here, is uh, we really like the under, around a 65% on the under. Um, you know, Snell's been hit or miss. There's no doubt about it. He's coming off his best start of the season, which was against the Dodgers. Uh, in his history, if you look, you know, against Mookie and Freeman and them, he's had great success. Uh, same thing with May. It's a much smaller sample size, but against this uh, San Diego lineup, he has shut them down. I think nine is, is a little higher number. You know, people think of the Dodgers and Padres. They want to see offense. They get excited. I wouldn't be surprised to see a three-two game tonight. Yeah, I uh, I don't think I don't think I would be surprised to see a three-two game either. So there we go, guys. A quick look at how you guys can be using the Pine Sports AI tools to leverage yourself. Look, we just went through five games. We got some model takes. We know we're not just throwing blind darts. Uh, you know, obviously, thanks to Shane for joining us. And we're gonna go ahead and run into break here real quick on the program. I'll be right back with Evan Sideri in a few moments. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back into the morning after here on Sports Grid. I'm Davis Maddock. No Ben Stevens with you guys here today. I promise you, he's going to be back with you soon. You'll be back to your regularly scheduled programming before you know it. Uh, our final block here in hour two, we are going to take a deep look at the NBA playoffs. These games have been very interesting. I think both of last night's games were unexpected and expected in certain ways uh you know certainly no one expected jason tatum to have both the horrible and awful performance he had i think a lot of people probably would have anticipated james harden uh not closing out a series when he had the ability to close out a series uh one of the biggest revelations to me of that 76er series definitely tyrese maxey um if i was in charge if i was in the front office of philadelphia i would not hate this rumor that has sort of persisted for the last couple, uh, I would say I would say the last six months or so, there's sort of been a rumor that James Harden has been opening himself up to come through the back door back to the Houston Rockets. Honestly, I think that uh, if I was calling the shots for the Houston Rockets, I don't know if I would be all that interested in that deal. But uh, I, as a 76ers backer, I mean, the number one thing they need to do is get off of Tobias Harris's money as fast as they possibly can. Tobias was, uh, Tobias was one of the worst players in that game last night, and that included, uh, you know, DeAnthony Melton not making a single shot. The 76ers, basically a seven-man rotation. Uh, tough, tough scenes. Evan Sideri joins the program now. I mean, Evan... What are we making of that game last night? Are we are we worried about Tatum or is that just classic Celtics? They forget how to play basketball. Like both Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, like basically forget the activity they're doing for certain stretches of like key playoff games. Yeah, it's kind of been a consistent theme now with Jason Tatum, especially this year where he'll have these terrible first halves and all of a sudden just wake up in the fourth quarter and have incredible stretches. But this has kind of been the Jason Tatum we've seen over the last couple of years where he will have these moments where he looks like one of the best players in the NBA. But sometimes he looks like one of the most inconsistent players in the NBA too as far as superstar level players. So it's kind of what I can expect from Tatum throughout his career so far. He's, he's kind of kind of really going on a roller coaster so to say as far as consistency in the postseason so not really surprised by that but overall the way that game played out last night 
what a roller coaster it was for Philadelphia, only getting 86 points in that game, holding Boston 93. It was, it was kind of a defensive masterclass by Boston, the adjustments they made, and now forcing it back to a winner-go-home winner game seven. Yeah, well, so, uh, that's absolutely music to our ears, right? I mean, there's nothing more we like uh, as sports fans. I, I thought there was a chance we could end up getting – four of them uh there certainly is still a chance that we get at least one more uh you know the eastern conference odds definitely i think are are telling us that uh you know they the celtics are are probably going to win that game i believe they're seven and a half point favorites i would not be laying those seven and a half points like no chance after i just watched that performance which is not to say that james harden can't go two for 11 and we watched the 76ers miss like 19 straight three-pointers. But, uh, you know, it's it's definitely out there. A team, unfortunately, did get eliminated from, well, I don't know if it's unfortunately. I wanted the Nuggets to win. But the Suns are eliminated from contention for the 2023 NBA championship. Uh, no Chris Paul, no DeAndre Ayton, Jock Landale in there, Bismack Biombo in there, giving it their best 31 points from Cameron Payne. Uh, you know, the Suns forced to pull their starters there because there was just no point. A 32-point triple-double from Nikola Jokic. What a, what a player, man. What a player. Uh, you know, the Suns, they, they, uh, they're wandering in the desert, man. They have some soul-searching to do because Chris Paul is going to be 38 next year. Chris Paul is probably like 5'10", doesn't really shoot three-pointers, doesn't really like to shoot three-pointers, prefers to shoot those mid-range shots. I, I don't know. I don't know what they do. Feels like they have what they need in Durant and Booker, but Aiton and Chris Paul may not be on the team next year. Yeah, I'm right there with you, Davis. Just looking at this roster, Chris Paul, DeAndre, and I think there's a very, very small chance either of those guys are back in Phoenix next year because after the Kevin Durant trade, they traded away arguably their two best defenders on the roster in Cam Johnson and Mikhail Bridges and arguably their two best shooters too outside of Devin Booker. So you need a lot more spacing offensively. You need a lot better defenders. Giving up all those draft picks, what they did, all those future first-round pick swaps, the first-round picks, all the way through 2029 to Brooklyn. They're in a really tough spot as far as flexibility and assets. And I think you have to use Chris Paul. You have to use DeAndre Ayton to kind of consolidate the roster around Durant and Booker because you kind of have no their choice at this point back-to-back -back years in a row now where they've had a winner go home situation on their own home court and they lose by 25 plus points that's just embarrassing just to put it quite frankly just not showing up in these in these situations is a consistent theme now for this phoenix team and even though you had a depleted roster losing the way they did last night with kevin durant and devin booker on your team that just can't happen i, I don't care how good the nuggets team is you can't lose in that sort of fashion on your home court there so it was just absolutely embarrassing to watch what the suns did last night and they have a lot of questions now throughout the summer it was it was pretty embarrassing um i mean booker i i guess to a certain extent like uh, booker there was a run there two games in a row where he was 32 of 40 from the floor obviously that wasn't going to continue forever and the the big problem when you make a trade like they did in the, the middle of the season when you make that trade in the off season you can sign some veteran minimum guys. You can use the mid-level, uh, the mid-level exception. You can trade some second-round picks. You can, you know, get some buyout guys. When you do that at the trade deadline, you don't leave yourself any ability to add a seventh guy, an eighth guy. You can't get, you know, PJ Tucker. You can't get even even Daniel House Jr. Daniel House, who has not been able to get off the bench for the Philadelphia 76ers. He probably would have started. I think he probably would have started for this Suns team. I think they, they would have thrown him in there. Uh, you know who would, would be a good fit? 
Mikael Bridges would be pretty freaking good next to Kevin yeah, Durant, I think. Uh, you know, so I, I, it's sort of interesting. Like, obviously, the Nets didn't have any interest in Chris Paul, but I think, you know, if they if they really got to do some truth serum and look inside themselves, I think they would say, we had to make this deal for Kevin Durant, but it doesn't feel that good to watch Mikael Bridges, you know, kind of blossom into this offensive guy he never was with the Suns with the net sort of similar to the Clippers trade, you know, where they, they traded Shea Gilgis Alexander and all those picks uh, for Paul George. And now Shea Gilgis Alexander is just like the straight up better player, like one for one, you would rather have Shea than Paul George, which is uh, a little bit of a, a twist to the knife. All right. Now the, uh, the NBA championship odds have shifted pretty dramatically. I, I think the nuggets should be favored, right? Honestly, I, and, and they're not, the Celtics are, are favored right now, which seems a little bit, Odd to me. And then the market giving the Warriors a pretty decent chance actually of making up this gap against the Lakers. Uh, and then, you know, no belief in in the Heat or the Knicks. Do any of these numbers look any good to you? Yeah, I'm kind of surprised by how inconsistent they've been. I get it just because they've been the most consistent team all year the win in the win-loss column. But Boston at plus 165, I agree with you. I don't know why Denver isn't the favorite here. They're just a more better team offensively. Defensively, they're rounding in the form, too. They were a bottom-tier team defensively. And then in the postseason, you see Aaron Gordon having a career-best series against Kevin Durant defensively. They can, they can do that against likes LeBron James, Jason Tatum. I like their chances against those teams. I really, I, I've kind of turned the corner on Denver the last couple months. I was kind of just waiting for them to kind of fall fall back in the pack a little bit all season long, but they've really shown me like Nikola Jokic is a generational transcendent offensive talent. Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., they're great role players. Aaron Gordon is a great two-way player for them in that system as well. So I would definitely say my team right now would be Denver at plus 230. I think LA at plus 500 is a good look too because I think they close it out tonight in game six against the Warriors. So I think the winner of that Nuggets-Lakers series is probably going to be the one I would pick in the finals. I just don't trust this Celtics team surprisingly enough because they have a rookie head coach and they have an inconsistent player in Jason Tatum who has these on and off nights and you can't keep doing that throughout the postseason. Yep, I am uh, I'm definitely I'm definitely with you there. This this is uh there there are not that many markets that I think are exploitable, but this is definitely one that I I just don't I don't see it the same way as the market. Uh back to South Beach for the New York Knicks and the Miami Heat. The Heat Five and a half point favorites. Uh, I, I mean, to me, I think the Knicks definitely found something with the Obi Toppin lineups or Josh Hart at power forwards. Uh, you know, Julius Randle spending more time on the bench than we are accustomed to him doing. Sort of puts the Heat in a difficult position. Doesn't really get to use Bam Adebayo's strengths when they're just you know pace and spacing the ball out there. What are you thinking for this next game between the Heat and the Knicks? I've been thinking I might go Knicks on the plus points there, plus five and a half. But the more I've thought about it, we've seen kind of back-to-back Jimmy Butler games where he hasn't torched them as far as scoring points. He had near triple doubles the last couple of games. I think we see Jimmy Butler bounce back, be more aggressive offensively tonight, go for 28 to 30 plus points. I like his over prop tonight at 28 and a half on the point total. I think we see a big Jimmy Butler game. Bam Adebayo is finding his form in this series as well. I think we see the Heat barely cover this late. I'll say the Heat win by six or seven tonight and close this one out. Yeah, I uh, I think I think that definitely is possible. You know, uh, we'll we'll see. Do you do you have a lean on any of these props? I I would probably lean way over for Jimmy Butler in any game where I expect the Miami Heat to win. I think you could even do like some small same game parlay type stuff, like Jimmy Butler all overs, like over. 33 and a half points and the heat money line or something like that. And 
Brunson and Grimes, I mean, I don't I don't think Jalen Brunson's props have adjusted for the fact that this dude played 48 minutes in a game five. What do we think he's going to do? I mean, you can't play any more than 48 minutes. Like, this dude is not subbing out in this game. He's just going to be out there the whole game, no doubt. Yeah, 100%. It'll be a big Brunson game. If New York wants to keep us close, he's going to play 48 minutes like we saw in game five. So I like his over point total in this one as well. As far as trying to find value on these point totals too, one thing I like doing, especially when I find value on a point total like 28 and a half for Gina Butler, for example, doing plus 30, plus 35, and plus 40. It's three separate bets there on like a ladder, for example. I think that's a good way of going about it because if Gina Butler has an explosive type of game where he goes for 35 to 40 points, the Heat will win this one comfortably and you'll win a lot of money in the process. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely with that. All right. I mean, about as big as it gets in the world of basketball. Steph Curry, LeBron James, Game 6, the Warriors facing elimination. Anthony Davis, head injury, expected to play per Adrian Wojnarowski. But we'll see. We'll see. You know, I I definitely don't think that that is confirmed. Very tight spread here, only two and a half points. I mean, what do we we make of this game? It's, uh, It's about as big as it gets. I've been saying all the last couple of days here on the show, Davis, I think the Lakers win this one in six. I'm not going to back down now, even though I am very nervous about this game if you're a Lakers fan, because Stephen Curry could easily go off. We know about Clay Thompson, the lore of game six Clay. If he has one of those games, they could really be in trouble here if they could, if they get hot from three-point range, those two guys. But I will go with the Lakers here, minus two and a half to cover the spread. Feels like we're kind of due here for a big LeBron game, right? He hasn't really gone off in the scoring category. I know he's not 100% healthy due to a foot injury, but it seems like we're due for a vintage closeout LeBron James legacy type of game tonight, in my opinion. Anthony Davis, he's been a dominant player throughout this series, arguably the best player in this series at points, but I think we're kind of due for a big LeBron game. So I love LeBron on his points, rebounds, assists prop to go over on that. I think he's due for a really big night all around. I, uh, I I think this is 100% true. I uh, Great same-game parlay opportunity here. LeBron, all overs on everything, points, assists, rebounds. Um, I mean, I think we probably see him play 44 minutes. My guess is he gets a two-minute rest at the beginning of, of the second quarter, two-minute rest at the beginning of the fourth quarter. So he gets that. You know, he gets to sit while the commercials are on, get a deep breath, Hope Steph Curry is not in at the beginning of those quarters so that uh, the Warriors are not going nuts and then come in. I, I just I keep going to that vintage game five against Boston when he was with the Heat in 2011. That's the game that I'm remembering. Thanks to Evan Sideri for joining the program. We're going to go ahead and close out here. We're going to be leaving TMA soon. Don't go anywhere. Stay on the grid. I'll be back with you guys in a couple moments. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back into the morning after here on SportsGrid. I'm Davis Maddock replacing ben stevens for the day i hope that you guys uh hope you guys didn't mind me replacing ben stevens i'll be back again with you guys on monday as well then you'll be returned to your regularly scheduled program before we get out of here just wanted to make sure to update you guys on the new sports grid app you're going to be able to catch everything that you would miss in the course of the day because look we know you guys like sports grid but uh you're not locked in 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There's going to be things that you miss. So you can, inside of the app, subscribe to all the hosts that you really like. So if you like me, 
you can watch all of me. If you like Ben Stevens, you can watch everything Ben Stevens has to say. You can watch Craig. You can watch Coach Young. You can watch Scotty. You can watch Carver High. Anyone that you want here on the network, you can get personalized feeds for that. And for all the leagues and content that you like, you can dive into matchup previews for every game in all major sports, Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, all that good stuff. And I think the coolest feature for me, uh, you know, we just had our friends from Point Sp- uh, from Pine Sports join the show to talk about AI. So you can leverage a lot of our projections, a lot of the back-end work that we are doing, you know, attempting to mathematically solve a lot of these markets, obviously in free-to-use tools there through the Sports Grid app. You're going to be able to access all of those line movement, injuries, everything else you need to know to set up a wager. When the games are live, you're going to be able to see the latest odds, scores, stats. It really is the perfect complement to all of you guys who are out there trying to, you know, win in sports betting. That's what we're trying to help you do. We're trying to entertain you and help you win throughout the course of your day. Real quick, just want to end the show with something that I think is right and just, which is the American League MVP. American League MVP voters have just, they were just here. We're ready to acknowledge it. Shohei Otani. As long as that dude's body is working, as long as he's healthy, he is the American League MVP. It takes a true record-breaking season in order to get past Shohei Otani for American League MVP. Going to go ahead and close out the show. Everyone, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Thanks to all our great guests. Thanks to Joe. Thanks to our producers. We're getting out of here. Stay on the grid. I'll be back with you guys tomorrow morning.